Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 39 of the Honda for the Hotball podcast. It's my absolute pleasure to join you live from where we're already well into Friday here in the afternoon in Melbourne, Australia. My guest is in Maryland, America, where it's Thursday night there. My guest today, Chucky L. Smiley Jr. Mr. Smiley, a guest, my guest today, sorry, has, is a driven and distinguished high achiever who has travelled the world serving his country in the armed forces, a decorated military veteran who serves today as an intelligence officer for the U.S. Coast Guard. Chucky is also a founder of his own clothing brand, Goliath Gear, which has a fantastic backstory, which I can't wait to talk about. But not only that, he's the founder and owner of two charities, Extraordinary League of Gentlemen and Kids Rock Athletic Programme. He has used his business success to fund these charities and provide thousands of those in need with everything from book bags to meals. Chucky, it's a pleasure to have you on. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Jake, once again, I appreciate this amazing opportunity to be on the show. And I'm just excited to kind of talk about what I have going on and uh, to share into this experience with your listeners. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you here. And I know our, our good friend, Eric Collier, connected us. He's been on the podcast and, uh, you know, as I said to you off camera before, he's a great man. Any friend of his is sure enough going to be a friend of mine. So, yeah, just great to have you here. And I mean, let's start with you've got a you've led an interesting and very colorful life. And, and I know you've traveled a lot with what you did in the military. Chucky, let's give the audience some some background story on that and and really let them know who you are. Yeah. So the military, honestly, I had always loved that profession as a child. I kind of envisioned myself going into the military early on, but then I, you know, also had a love for sports, particularly basketball. I played basketball and I played football. So once I went to college uh, for the summer program, I said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to put my military goals and dreams on hold for a little bit. Um, I wish I probably would have went then, but everything happens for a reason. So I ended up going to school for a little bit. And things just didn't work out as planned. And I think the primary reason for that was just being not being disciplined enough to handle uh, the attraction, the allure of going to school and really being focused on more so the sports, the athletic side of the house instead of the academics. And so I was not achieving like I like I desired. And honestly, I was probably failing at, at certain different aspects of that of the academic side. So I just I really needed a change of pace and the military provided that. And honestly, it was an easy choice for me, too. You know, I had my father had served in the Marine Corps. My uncle had served in the Marine Corps and I had a few other relatives that were serving now. And so, you know, I looked at it as an opportunity uh, to open some doors for me, because by this time I was working two or three jobs. I already had one child and um, I realized just how tough it was. And I said, you know what? It has to be a better way. And so I, I made that leap and I joined the army about a few months later. And next thing you know, I was being shipped off to basic combat training, leaving everything that I knew, uh, including my wife and my and my newborn. And, uh, you know, it was really an opportunity that changed my life, honestly, Jake. And and I can tell you that I, I recommend and I often encourage some of the young folks to look at the military um, not as just a way out, but really an occupation as a career, as a lifestyle, because what it afforded me was 
you know, aside from the financial aspects of being able to take care of my family and providing the monetary things that we need so we can do basic stuff, right? Like, so we can live, so we can put gas in our cars, so we can put food on the table. But what it gave me was those intangible things. You know, it gave me discipline. It gave me determination. It showed me that when someone places trust in you, um, just how far, you know, you're actually willing to push yourself to actually not allow that trust to be failed or to, to vacate that trust. And so, you know, I, I took that honor really upon myself. And, um, you know, I've really kind of been in servitude all my life, either through church as a young child or even through the community. So servitude was easy to me, you know, and I, I'm glad that I took that opportunity and ran with it. Yeah, I mean, an accolade of, of um, I know you shared in Afghanistan and, and Iraq and some other places around the world, and, and you, you really, really gained an accolade of, of medals and, uh, and was highly awarded for the work you did. And, and, and to that point, actually, I'd just like to say, while well, I've got the opportunity, thank you for your service. I'm not an American. Uh, I live here in Australia, a, a good free part of the world, and I'm from England, another good free part of the world. And it, if it wasn't for ladies and gentlemen like you who, who gave their time, their effort, their energy, and their sacrifice, then, you know, maybe we'll be living in a different world today. So I just want to say thank you for that while I've got the opportunity here. Yeah, well, thank you. Very, I mean, I appreciate that, and you're much welcome. I can tell you that, uh, obviously, as you know, at the UK and uh, Australia and some of our other partners are great allies to the US and I've had the pleasure of actually meeting some of these phenomenal people being in places like Iraq and Afghanistan. And I can tell you learning more about uh, the English culture, learning more about the Australian culture and some of our other partners, I can tell you it made me the person that I am today because I realized that at the end of the day, we all want the same thing. We all want to be able to, to support our families, to be able to have that safety and that comfort, and then also to be able to live the lives that we want to live. And so I'm glad that being in the military, it helped me to fight for some of those freedoms, not just for the U.S. really, but for people all around the world. And I and like I said, I've counted a lot of those um the folks from the UK and from Australia and some of our other partners, brothers, because I've relied on them for safety and for protection and uh, they have done the same with me. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's good to, it's great to hear that. And like you say, you know, it's, it doesn't matter where you're from, where you're at, what you're doing, when those people come together, that brotherhood or, you know, sisterhood, there's, there's ladies who do this as well. Um, you're all working towards that same end. Uh, and those, those countries where you're from, what you do, it doesn't matter when you're working next to each other in, in that kind of place. So I, I've got a, Eric's on the side here. Look, he's already jumping up. I've got to show. There he goes. Yeah. Up. What's up, fellas? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's there on the side. I knew, I knew it wouldn't take long for him to say something. He's always got something to say. He's always yeah, got something to say. I'm sure um, he's going to chime, chime in. Yeah, yeah, I reckon so. So from there, Chucky, I mean, you, you, you left the military, right? I know you, you've moved on now to a role in, in intelligence in, in the in the Coast Guard, which is obviously quite different from, from an armed forces role. But Goliath Gear, that's your clothing brand. Um, I mean, and please tell us a, like the backstory about that. I know it, but it's not going to come from me as good as it's going to come from you. All right, sounds good. So Goliath's Gear is really a play on words. It's based on the story of David versus Goliath. It was, you know, as you probably can see, it was one of my favorite stories um, growing up as a Christian and learning more about the Bible and, and kind of being instructed of the ways and principles that guide us as Christians. And so, you know, my grandmother, my mother, they all used to tell me various stories out of the Bible that we learned also in Sunday school. And that one 
stuck out to me, um, more so because of the challenges that David faced throughout his life, not just as a teenager, but the story itself, um, like I'm sure pe most people know, is that David, a teenage boy, ended up going down to the battlefield where his brothers was. He was actually there just to bring them food. You know, he was there to bring food that his father had instructed. His obedience allowed him to be able to come before this, you know, this giant that he heard that was actually mocking the nation of Israel. And he was so bold um, with faith and belief and trust in God that he said, you know, I will defeat this, this uncircumcised Philistine, essentially. He was basically laying him out or cussing him out um, during that time by saying those type of words. And so when Goliath saw this young, this young teenage boy, he laughed at him. He mocked him. And he was like, this is the best Israel could do. They could send only a 13 year old boy to stand before me. And you got to remember at this time, Goliath was a very seasoned warrior. He had been fighting for years. He had taken many lives. And so, you know, he really thought that this was a joke. But little did he know that one mere stone that was flung from uh, from David's uh, David's sling would be able to knock down this giant. And when it hit him with such force, it basically, it was the equivalent of almost being shot. You know, it hit him in, at his temple at a prime location. And so it dropped him. And when it dropped him, this teenage boy ran up to him, picked up his sword, cut off his head. And so that's where the Goliath's gear story really started because essentially what it means is David was victorious by defeating Goliath and taking his weapons for himself. So the name, like I said, is a double entendre. Um, Goliath's gear. What is it about Goliath's gear? Well, whoever whoever actually takes hold of that gear is the is actually the victor who who received this victorious uh, glory and, and freedom from literally defeating the foes of Israel. And so that's that's basically the backdrop. Uh, the second part of it is also being able to have faith to face any fear or any obstacle you may encounter. And I think that's a great uh, life lesson that most people can actually pull from that we have to have faith in either ourselves and a higher power or whatever the case may be to face a lot of the things that we face in life. I'm actually teaching and instructing my son on that right now because in, on the basketball court right now, he's a phenomenal athlete. He was given gifts that I wasn't. He's actually much taller than me. He's like 6'1", 6'2". I'm only 5'10". And, and he can shoot uh, very easily. That was something that I had to work at and I had to train on. Um, but the one difference that me and my son have is that I, I always had a Kobe mentality. I wanted to be the best. I wanted to prove I was the best. And I was willing to go at anybody to show them because, because of kind of maybe my upbringing, my son, much different. You know, he hasn't had to have that same type of fight that I've had to have all my life. And so his aggressiveness oftentimes is kind of laid back, particularly on the court. And I'm trying to get, trying to pull that out of him that, when you're on the court, you have to be aggressive at all times because you want people to respect your game. And so that's kind of a life lesson that I'm teaching my son through the game of basketball, that also in life, you have to be aggressive to get the things that you want. You want to get that scholarship? Oh, well, well, you have to fight for that scholarship because there are hundreds of other kids around the country that would love to have that same opportunity to play at a higher level, especially at a higher learning institution for free. And, and you can't think just because you have a few gifts 
that it's going to come naturally or it's going to come easily. So that's kind of one of the one of the principles that I use through the game of um, of basketball, as well as through the clothing line to kind of teach some of these young kids that I have a chance to mentor to. You've been through a lot of struggle in life yourself, and I wonder if there's like some elements there of, of David and you kind of matching up and, and that kind of aligning as well, right? You know, because uh, and defeating the beast, which can sometimes just be life, can't it? Let's be honest. You're definitely right. You're definitely right. I, I truly embrace and embody David's story because I felt that it was my own story, right? You know, if you know the story about David. He was anointed by the prophet Samuel, but before he was anointed by the prophet Samuel, Samuel actually came and looked at all his brothers before he looked at David. They, David wasn't even in the room. They had to call for David, who was out tending the sheep, before Samuel said, hey, this is the one that God sent me here to kind of anoint. And so he was definitely overlooked. And I have in my life many times been overlooked. I actually was raised in a single parent household. My mother, you know, I seen her struggle and I seen her fight to provide a living for me and my brother. And so, you know, through those different adversities that I faced, encountering some amazing people that have sowed a seed either financially or just by um, encouraging and strengthening my mom and helping her get through that situation. You know, those were the people that I reflect, you know, I had to become that person for other people. And I'm grateful that I experienced those experiences because now, you know, I can be a light in this dark world for a lot of other people that may not believe that they can make it out of the situation that they are in or overcome, you know, the many adversities that come with being in this, in this crazy life that we live. And so, like you said, I seen myself in the story of David and I continue to see myself there, um, you know, having this clothing brand. I shouldn't be able to do some of the things that I'm able to do uh, because it is a smaller brand. But I've been able to open a store, you know, at a location that was prime location that, you know, other places would have spent thousands of dollars. But they they had I had favor. And so they granted me this opportunity to open a store, which was really a challenge for me because I. I didn't have really the financial support that I that I should have had. Uh, but, you know, like I said, it was just being blessed and continue to work hard and and telling that story. And as I continue to tell that story, I found a lot more people related to me and to what I was trying to do. And so they were a lot more supportive than maybe supporting like a bigger brand. And so, yeah, you definitely hit it on the head. I still consider myself kind of an underdog in life. And I'm grateful to be in that position because I know I have to be a fighter for everything. It's not going to be given. Yeah, no, 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 no. you know it's a saying that I heard once is like life is a fight for territory, and when you when you start stop focusing on what you on what you don't on what you do want, when you stop focusing on that, what you don't want starts to come in and take over. Right, that's that's what it's like. But I, I just love the love the way that you know you took that story. That story carries on in yourself, and then you made it a brand. So of course it's a brand. It's there to supply clothing to other people um that's that's the product you sell 
business that has you know a, back, a bit of a backstory behind that, and this one certainly does. And I know you've you've obviously had some success in, with that business in that time. And I really think this is the time now, this year, and going forward is the time for small businesses. It's the time for the underdog. It's the time when people in communities are going, who can I support in my community? is actually going to put money back into that community and and wider than that you know people are going to start wanting more and more of products services that originate from their own country so you know they're not having to uh, you know rely on import export which has become somewhat fragile this year and of course you know that, that patrioticness of just supporting your own country and and putting funds back into that country i think that's going to be a good thing coming forward and i think people like um, yourself are very well placed with with the smaller brands to to you know kind of take advantage of that. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, as you see right now, there there are so many people that are unemployed right now um, around the world. Really, you know, this pandemic has called a lot of hardships for a lot of folks. And I think you know, in this situation, what I want to do is I want to encourage people that yes, you have you may have fallen on bad times, but they will end you know, strong people will be able to prevail during these times. And so so I would use this opportunity right now. Don't look at what you don't have. That's a problem that many of us do. You know, we say, oh, I don't have enough money for this or I don't have time for that. What I want you to do is I want you to focus on what you do have. You focus and take inventory of what you do have. You'll be much more appreciative and you'll realize that you probably have more than what you actually need to get started. And so what I what I try to encourage people is, like I said, take inventory of what you have and start using what you have to, to hopefully bring out or exploit uh, where you want to go. So if you look at inventory, all right. For myself, uh, so to speak, what can you do? Not necessarily the, the tangible things like, oh, I don't have money. What can you do? If you're if you're a good communicator, if you can speak, maybe you want to start looking at an opportunity in speaking or briefing or, or motivating, because if you already have that skill set, maybe you should be doing podcasts. Maybe you should start looking at a career that's in radio or TV, you know, that you can use the gift that God had, has given you uh, to really bring him glory. And then also to, to use what he's given you to be able to support you. And I think that's kind of right. Once I realized what my purpose was, I started looking and taking inventory of everything that, that God has given me and say, all right, how can I use these to be successful and not just be successful, but how can I use these to take care of, of you know, the basic things? Right. How can I use it to provide uh, food or to, to raise revenue to provide food and put it on the table? And so when I started looking at all these things. That's when I started becoming uh, using the business because I knew I had an artistic creative side and I knew that was going to bode well in that line because I could create some uh, some some sweet designs that someone may like. Or I may be able to use a nice graphic and really encourage somebody during a tough time on the charitable side through my nonprofits. You know, how could I use the managerial stuff that I've learned, the um, the leadership tactics that I that I use to bring people together so we could so we could communicate and collaborate to help others out. Right. And that is essentially building my brand because people know, oh, this this guy is a good guy. But but not only that, but he's actually doing things to help those that are in need. And so when people hear the name Chuck Smiley, they got to know, like, 
oh man, like he's involved in so many things, but it's not just things that are benefiting me. These are things that are helping the world at large. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to leave a legacy that my life was more about servitude. And so, so if I continue to serve this world, the world, and I believe also higher power, is going to reward me for, for helping those that need to be helped and also for being a blessing to others when they truly need it. Yeah. Just just pulling back there to something that you said, putting food on the table and earning revenue, it's always interesting to me to know how long was it into the business before you actually started doing that, actually started turning a profit, you know. Sometimes it can be oh, quite a bit longer than people think from the outside looking in, right? Very good question. So for me, it was actually pretty easy because I I want to say I was going all in, but honestly, I wasn't. You know, I, I have um, I actually had two jobs. I was working two jobs when I started my part time business um, or started Goliath Skier. But for me, the the proceeds that I generated for Goliath Skier weren't for me anyway. I never created Goliath Skier as actually a source of business for myself. So it was a little bit different. The only reason I, I started Goliath Skier, actually two reasons. I'm, let me let me clarify that. The first reason was to bring glory to God and really to kind of share my faith through the clothing. That was the first reason. The second reason was actually to actually use the proceeds to support what I was doing in the community, because I realized that the charitable work I was doing, there's only a few ways that you can get money in doing charitable efforts. Let's let's make it pretty clear. Either you have corporate sponsors. That means a business has given you money. It's kind of simple there. Or you have like crowdfunding where you're reaching out to different people that you know that will give you money or you're using your own money, which I didn't have a lot of to be able to go to use for my charitable efforts. So I said, how about I actually start a business whose sole purpose is to actually help fund the nonprofit and charitable efforts. Now, with funding with regards to the nonprofit, I actually had about three different things that I was working on. So I did have a few corporate sponsors. Now, they weren't giving me thousands of dollars at, at throughout the year, but the money they did give, I was appreciative and grateful for. I had a great support system. I had a lot of friends, a lot of family that knew what I was trying to do. And they so like they crowdfunded socially and they shared about you know the different events we were doing and helped raise money. But then that third source was the business. And so it allowed us to do some pretty phenomenal things, um, you know, from book bag giveaways. Our first year of doing a book bag giveaway, that was money that came from literally just me and a couple of friends. We raised enough or we generated enough funds to give away 50 book bags. Not more than eight to 10, I'll say about seven years later, we were giving away up to 3000 book bags. So from the first year of just doing 50 and I'm talking about book bags fully um, filled up with school supplies, pens, pencils, whatever the child needed, depending on the age. Right. Because those requirements are going to be a little different for elementary kids versus someone that is in high school. So so we went from 50 book bags to giving away four to five thousand book bags a year and and over the course of about a decade. And so now I want to say our total is we're probably up to close to 18,000 over the duration um, of actually starting that to where we've been doing it up to a few years ago. And we didn't do it this year because of the pandemic, um, but we're excited about bringing that back. 
And just by my one vision of being able to help somebody in that particular fashion and having, you know, some one of my colleagues, Jermichael Mitchell and some other friends, you know, we literally collectively built this this network of folks that either bring supplies or give us money or will literally bring book bags, one or two themselves. And then once obviously you have this bigger circle, the more resources that you bring. And so that was a blessing. I mean, even to have Under Armour and Adidas sponsor different things. And those are some heavy hitters. And so, you know, to see that small seed turn into a big oak tree was truly amazing, man. And I'm excited to continue to see Goliath's gear grow as well as uh, the extraordinary league of gentlemen. So, yeah. When you, well, I know it's a theme like here with a lot of people who do a lot of these things. When you go in with pure intentions and your intention, no doubt about that was pure. You know, you start the business to be able to generate and use that cash to fund charitable efforts. It, that pure intention is infectious and it carries out and everyone sees it and feels it and knows about it. And that's why, you know, it's no surprise for me that you have people like Adidas and, and Under Armour um, getting involved and contacting you because they, you know, people learn, people, the word spreads fast. You know, people say bad news spreads fast. Well, I think good news with good intention spreads even quicker than that, really. Uh, and, and that's why, you know, you've gone in with this pure intention. That's been magnified by the work that you've done. And, and then it's, you know, all these all these good things are happening for the brand. It's just fantastic. Did you say you've actually got a physical store as well? Oh, I'm sorry, I missed the last part again. Say that again. Did you say you've actually got a physical store as well? Yeah, so we actually closed the store right before the pandemic. So that was that was really a, a, a blessing in disguise because we had just ran about close to a year of opening our first store. And, you know, that story itself um, was really amazing. So, so so let me share that with you real quick. Uh, so most of the my inspiration, honestly, it comes from just working hard, communicating with great folks like yourself, but then also in my study time, my quiet time where either I'm praying or I'm reading, reading the Bible. And one of the, one of the, one of my second favorite stories or one of my favorite stories, probably my second favorite is the story of Peter working on water. So we all know that Jesus came to the boat walking on water, but many people don't realize that actually one of his disciples saw Jesus coming and asked Jesus, Hey, Jesus, if it's you, bid me to come, tell me to come, because he wanted to be able to walk on water as well. And I think it wasn't more so of him walking on water. It was really the the impossibility of it, right, of actually stepping outside of the boat and actually being uh, walking towards someone he believed uh, was his savior. And so, you know, when I look at that story, it just gave me so much hope and inspiration. And at the time, I was pretty much just selling online as far as the as far as the store is concerned, um, or as far as my business was concerned. And so, you know, I said, I want to really take it up a level. You know, I'm having great success online. We're doing some pretty good things, but I wanted to continue to push the envelope because I love being challenged. And and if you tell me I can't do something, then I'm probably going to do it just to show you that I can't. And so. So I had an opportunity to get a small kiosk in the local mall. And unbeknownst to me, that first week that we opened up, not not this is just the first week. The first week was good. But let's say the first month, the first month just exceeded my expectations. I, I want to say it, you know, had so much money coming in for a kiosk. And I was like, you know what? This is the way to go. 
it went so well that instead of me actually just working there on the weekends, because when we first opened, we were just doing on the weekends. I had my kids working and then it went so well that I started hiring additional staff. And I hired two young men that helped me that end up helping me grow the store and open the store. And so when I had out the store, once again, it was about me just stepping out of the boat. And when I use that term, it's it's getting out of your comfort level, not being afraid to once again face your fear. And so what I had to do was I had to look at myself and ask myself, am I really facing my fear or am I just kind of in this comfort level, comfort zone and, and scared to be challenged? And so, you know, once I did that, I said, you know what, it's time to step out. And so once we stepped out, got the kiosk, it did well was there for about six months. Then we said, hey, let's let's take it up another level. Went and opened our first store um, at the National Harbor in the DC area. And once again, it continued to exceed our expectations. And that was just a blessing, man. And I can tell you, the best thing about the store was not the financial aspects of it. Because the financial aspects, once again, it wasn't paying me. I was paying my kids who was working, they were my first two employees. And then I was also paying my other two employees who literally were holding it down for me because I still was working full time and I still had a part time job. And then I also still had to be a father to, you know, my household. And so I was being pulled in multiple ways. But what I realized was if you find good people, like minded people that believe in the same things that you believe in, that you can trust, they will help you build your vision. And that's what I want to encourage other folks to do, too. If you have some good people in your circle, trust them, connect with them, collaborate with them, help them grow as they will help you grow as well. So it's a give and a take. They weren't just going to work for me for free, but they also brought a set of unique talents and skills that I could utilize for my business. But I also could push them in their different endeavors. And so it was definitely a give and take. And I, I agree with you wholeheartedly what you said about being just, you know, do, trying to do good, but not, I, I would, I would push it even more than that. Not just doing good, but being genuine and being authentic. That is what is missing in this world today, because, you know, we look at social media, we look at Instagram and Facebook and TikTok, and we want to envision ourselves being in someone else's life, or we see some of these fake lives that some of these celebrities are living and they're miserable. I can tell you, I have talked to countless folks and friends that I know that have been in either artists, um, hip hop artists, music artists, or even actors. And you can also see it. You see how they're constantly using drugs or you hear about this person overdosing or you, you hear about this person taking their life. Why is that? Because it's more than just those tangible things. It's more than just, oh, I got enough money to buy a nice necklace or I got enough money to buy a nice car. Is it really keeping you happy? Is it giving you peace? And if it's not giving you peace, you're going to have a miserable life. So I'm all about being authentic. I'm, I'm about being genuine, folks. I tell them when things are going good. I tell them when things aren't going so well, because I want them to realize that that the struggle is actually where you develop. Not everything is going to be smooth and easy. Where I learned how to persevere is in the toughest time of my life. And that was once again growing up without, growing up in lack, I realized then that that was never going to define me. If I had a lot of money or if I had a little bit of money, it wasn't going to define who I was and who I was going to become. And so that's what I tell people, be authentic, be genuine and trust the process because the process of hardships is what life is all about. 
You know, not everything is going to be good. You know, those rainbows. But can you weather the storm? Can you actually, when it's raining outside, can you go out there and dance in the rain? If you're able to do that, you'll be able to persevere in life. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And I, I, I go for the same things, man. Like just genuine, authentic. Just be real, you know. And, and part of that is being being vulnerable, of course, as well. And, and just full exposure. Like, okay, look, I messed this up. You know, I made a mistake here. It, that is what it is. Okay, look, I'm not feeling too great today. Not every day is a great day. That's just not the reality of what it is. And, and you touched on it there. You know, I think. The, the, the flip side to that, and it's happening at scale that you see on social media a lot, is like, you know, what you see is not really real. It's all kind of, a lot of it's like plastic fantastic. And, and there's a danger in that, I actually think, particularly for the youth of today, because a lot of them aspire to these things that they see online, that they're just constantly berated with, you know, it's they're just constantly berated with the scroll. And, and then they kind of want, want to attain to that themselves. But what they're actually being shown isn't even real. So there's a disparity in that, and I think it's actually it's actually quite dangerous, and it's it's important to be it's important to know kind of who you are, what you want, where you're going, and who's going with you, and, and not trying to you know reach for these things that you see online and go oh okay so that's what the celebrity does, so that's what I should aspire to. You know, yeah, of course it's good to have role models, but um you know wanting the life that someone else has got when perhaps that's not even genuine in itself. That's where I think that can become uh, quite quite dangerous and ultimately, you know, lead to being pretty pretty miserable. Yeah, I, I, I got some for you. I, I would. Uh, I just want to piggyback off what you just said. There is a great show on Netflix called The Social Dilemma, and I encourage a lot of people to watch it because it literally shows the cause and effect of social media on our society as a whole. And one thing that you just mentioned, you know, what they did a basically a study on on what the effects that certain things was having so keep this in mind when they created the like button the the folks that were behind that the engineers the tech folks they were using the like button to help push positivity mm-hmm. but the opposite happened the opposite mm-hmm. happened because you would have a young girl who would see someone like kim kardashian but when she posted a photo, she wouldn't get nearly as many likes. Right. She wasn't getting those likes and that instant gratification. Mm-hmm. You know, her self-esteem dropped. And then hopefully, you know, she didn't have friends or peers that were on there that would also say something negative. Because if they did that, then her self-esteem would drop any more, even more. And so what they started seeing was as a result of social media, when it started uh, hitting the scene a few years ago or maybe a decade ago, they started seeing the suicide rate of teenagers increase tremendously. And they tied it because of the social ramifications that we were getting from something that wasn't even real from a celebrity who altered their bodies to look a certain way because they're making money or because, you know, that is now the new look. Now you also started seeing other kids and and adults emulating that instead Mm -hmm. of just being happy with who they are. So you, you hit a very good point and I kind of wanted to share that. Mm, Yeah. And I think it's pretty important to get that point out and and address it. I mean, the simple way I, I could kind of sum it up is like, Mate, and, and, and it kind of pertains to business, but it could it could spill over into personal as well. It's something that I say is don't count the likes, make the likes count. 
you know, so if, if, if you take that in a business sense, I'm talking about providing content that is genuine, that is authentic, that is honest, that of course pertains to entertaining your audience and perhaps selling your product or service or just educating. I actually think that's a responsibility for the brand owner and the business owner. And it's probably not a responsibility that everyone thinks about or takes on board. But I do think that it is a responsibility to put out content that is genuine, that is authentic. Of course, when everyone's putting out content at such scale, sometimes the message can get lost and that can get lost. But mm -hmm. I think it's important to align with that and, and making those like, not counting them like making them count. It doesn't matter if you've got 10, 50, 100 or 1,000 likes. You know, if you're not putting out good content that aligns with the people that have followed your brand because they believe in you, because they believe in what you're doing, it's not going to really mean anything. And and I think in a space where social media and the internet can help, as you know, Chucky, just grow business at scale very quickly as well. People are, you know, I, I hope I hope there's a change, and I, I see it coming as a move to, you know, people like uh, Gary Vaynerchuk's really spreading this message and this content is seen at scale. A move to just genuineness and authenticity, and uh, you know, not the kind of uh, yeah, the kind of plastic fun, fun, fantastic mentality. Yeah, completely agree. And you know, I know from my Instagram, I'm probably right around. 6,300, 6,400. And, you know, as a business owner, I would love to have a platform that I'm, that is open to, you know, a thousand or a hundred thousand folks or more, you know, or a million, but I'm happy with what I have because I know those people are genuine people that support what I'm doing and they know what I'm doing and they track it. And so when I post something, like you said, I know they're going to interact with me. They're going to ask how they can get involved. They're either going to purchase something because they know that the proceeds is going to a great cause or they believe genuinely that we're trying to sow positivity and goodness throughout this world. So I agree with you, you know, having what you have, be appreciative for it, be grateful for it. And then the more people you encounter, it'll grow. But the problem is most people think that it happens overnight. It doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. You literally took the words out of my mouth. Yeah, no, please yeah. go. And, and that's the problem is, especially in this generation that we have now, everybody want to throw something in the microwave. Everybody wants it instantly and it doesn't happen instantly. You have a few cases where there's, you know, a few lucky folks that will be able to use what they've been doing. But if you look at the root of what they're doing. They've been doing it for a long time. It's just that they had connected with the right people and it seemed like it was instant. But I guarantee you that there's a long work ethic behind anybody that has recent or instant success. It wasn't instant for them. It was just instant for us because we didn't know about them pre prior to obviously to whatever they were doing. And so, um, so yeah, man, great point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean look, it can happen quickly, right? We all see the success stories, you know. But, you know, there you go. People can win the lottery, right? Yeah, it does happen. But expecting it to happen and waiting for it to happen is really, I think you're just opening and exposing yourself to just too much disappointment there. Um, you know, it does take time to grow a business. It does take time to, to grow even, even a charity in that regard. You know, I'm involved with a charity. Um, and it does take a bit of time to get some traction for, to get people to understand about what you're really trying to do. I mean, and you've said that there when you started, it was 50 book bags the one year. And now, now, uh, I mean, I'm not sure exactly how many years it is, but let's say it's 12, 15 years later, right? Something like that. And you're up to 18,000 book bags now. Um, it just, it, it takes time, patience and persistence. And I think um, there's, um, 
you got to hang in there, really. You know, that, that three feet from gold story. Have you ever heard that three feet from gold story? No, let me let me hear it. I don't, it doesn't yeah. sound familiar. I don't know how well I'm going to tell it, but I'll try my best. Yeah. <laughs> it was about a guy who bought a piece of land and he was told that it was a good piece of property to invest in mm-hmm. because there was gold there. And he worked on this property maybe six, nine, 12 months, 15 months he got. Didn't find any gold, got completely frustrated, couldn't find any veins of gold, which when you start to find the vein, you follow the ga- vein and jackpot, you, f- you find the find the money. He, he couldn't, so he gave up on it and he said, look, I'm going to sell it. And he sold it for literally a fraction of what he bought it for. Let's just use round numbers, say he bought it for $10,000 and he sold it for 1000 This was many years ago. And he sold it to a guy who was just a scrap merchant. Um, and the guy said, yeah, look, I might be able to find some some." Valuable metals around there, I'll buy a few for a thousand bucks. But this guy who was the, the the scrap merchant, he said, before I just kind of you know cast this place off or, or sell it for scrap and just see what I can salvage out of the place, why don't I'm, I'm going to get some professionals in and see what they think and see if they can map out where these veins might be and if there's any gold in that place. And he got the professionals in, and the gold was three feet away from where the original guy had stopped digging. So if he just <laughs> a few more days or a few more weeks he was three feet away from gold and i genuinely think that that story transpires to any business any project whether it be a book film tv show podcast you know whatever you're just working on like don't quit because i can tell from personal experience and i'm sure you could agree with me here chucky and and probably come up with a, a story that relates to it that you know how many times have you come so close to quitting when your back was up against the wall and thought, you know, I just don't know if I can do it. But then in a very short time after that, that's when the reward came and that's when the win came. And that's when, like, you were three feet from gold right there. <laughs> yeah, I I can definitely tell you that was the case in my life, um, particularly with regards to the nonprofit, the Extraordinary League of Gentlemen. We, you know, before we won our first award, and we've won many um, since we started, but it took us seven years to win our first award. I tell people this because what if my goal was to win an award, but because I didn't win an award in the first two years, I quit. Now, mm-hmm. for me speaking, you know, it wasn't my, 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 my whole goal was not to, to, to get uh, or to start my nonprofit to necessarily win accolades, but it does feel good when you get them. And it actually helps your cause even more. But what I'll say is the reason I do what I do is because I love it and because I believe in it. And that's what I tell people, you know, follow the dreams in your hearts that you may have. Because if you try to follow a job or a career, you may end up unhappy. Now, when I have a chance to talk to people, most educators don't like me to hear that. Why? Because they want you to go to school. They want you to spend money or they say, you know, going to college is the way. But it's not going the way. There are a lot of other people that have entered the workforce that have made, uh, you know, very great lives for themselves. Think about it. Mark Zuckerberg, he quit school so he could work on Facebook. And there are countless other phenomenal stories like that, where people followed their hearts, they followed their passions, and they became successful because, you know, we oftentimes equate success to certain things, a big house, a lot of money, or, um, or, or a nice car. But I submit to you 
that success is having peace and joy in what you do. And if you can do that, then you're successful in my eyes because we all look at success with, with relative scales. And, and I can tell you, I have met people that have worked to me, very mundane jobs, but they saved, they rewarded themselves when they could. And these people still were successful, even financially, because they were smart in the decision-making process of actually putting money away. And so that's a whole nother story. But what I can tell you is even with my nonprofit, what brought me joy was helping people that looked like me and not physically look like me. I mean, look like me as in they were in a tough situation and I was in a position to assist them at one particular time with those book bags. It wasn't me just giving book bags. It was me helping uh, a family or single family or single parent household be able to make sure that they could save money by not having to buy a book bag. Because if you are a single parent, you're already struggling to be able to put those basic needs and stuff on the table. So when school comes around, it's oftentimes tough to be able to go buy a book bag and new clothes and new shoes and socks and things like that for the kid. And so I figured that this was a great way to be able to help a single parent, just like my mom was, to be able to be in a better position when school started. And so, as our um, as our joy and the different events that we did continue to grow because the book bag was just one. We started feeding the homeless and cooking meals for the homeless. We started helping the families that were less fortunate by giving them, um, you know, gift cards with money on them so they could go purchase food during the holiday season. All these different things continued to build, you know, the circle and the team that we had around us that people were like, wow, they're doing some phenomenal stuff. And it, it wasn't self-serving. It wasn't for us at all. We were doing this to help the community in which we lived. And as that continued to grow, then people started finding out about us. And then more money started coming in. So they it started becoming easier. And the next thing you know, that one year that we won the first award, it was a huge award. It was a, a very big award. And then my colleague, you know, other people that were affiliated with us started winning awards as well because they were affiliated with the great work that we were doing. And that became part of their story. And that allowed them to continue to reach a level of success that they had never even imagined. And I can tell you that I agree with you. Continue to just, you never know where it's going to end up. You never know where it's going to go. But I can tell you, if you quit, you're never going to get there. <laughs> So before we do go, I think I'd really like you to talk about Kids Rock, the uh, athletic program for young athletes. And, and I know you've produced some some really great athletes out of that program. It's something I really want to hear some more about, and I'm sure our audience would love to hear about as well. Yeah, so Kids Rock is, is basically kids and the rock stands for reaching our children. That aspect um, of our nonprofit was actually started by a good friend of mine um, who is also my vice president now and um, also the co-founder of the Extraordinary League of Gentlemen. So what we did was we brought the Kids Rock portion under our umbrella so we can make sure that it was funded properly because we started having um, some great success financially and we wanted to be able to, to bring that under our umbrella so it could also have the same success. Now, that, that was just from a monetary standpoint, make sure they had donations that they needed. But I can tell you the success that we saw was um, taking young kids 
through the medium of various sports, starting with basketball. And now it has grown to various sports, you know, pushing these same principles that I talked about, hard work, uh, determination, discipline, patience, you know, working on these basic things and applying them to not only sport, but also using them to apply it to life. And what we started seeing was that these gifted kids were becoming very successful. They were going off and using the sport to create different opportunities for them, either going to college or using um, using it and taking it and applying it to the workforce and what they went. And so what ended up happening was a lot of the kids that were in our program started receiving a lot of local success, either with the teams they were on that were winning championships or these kids were going to AAU tournaments and being recognized. And what ended up happening was we started creating great people. A very simple concept, right? That if you teach people basic things and see them kind of grow and learn these different concepts that we felt were very uh, productive in becoming a great citizen, then ultimately not only were we creating great athletes, but we were creating, once again, great people. And so as we did that, the success of Kids Rock continued to grow, continued to blossom. Now, uh, my colleague is also holding various tournaments where now, you know, he could be bringing in teams from all over, all over the East Coast, um, sometimes all over the country to play in these different tournaments that he started based off of the premise of, you know, sewing back into these kids. And basically, you know, the concept of just using sports, as I mentioned before, like my son, you know, using sports to teach lifelong lessons that can be applied to other things outside of athletics. And so that's what we're trying to do. And, and as I mentioned before, we're trying to create great people. And more importantly, we're trying to create people that will emulate what we're doing. So we're mm -hmm. trying to show them that it's actually fun doing what we do, giving back, you know, helping our community, hopefully inspiring the next generation of people that will fill our shoes when we no longer can do it. For sure. That's no one's here forever, and um, what's going to follow on from us? Well, inspiring, inspiring young people to do the same. You know, you you can't sprinkle when you're sprinkling that positivity around. It's got to rub off on someone. Someone's going to catch it. Someone's going to run with it. <laughs> As we close out, Chucky, I'd like to ask you perhaps three hot tips for someone who's thinking about starting their own business thinking about, you know, perhaps quitting their job because they've got this passion they want to follow. They've got something more that they feel is their calling or their desire. Okay. I would tell people first to exercise wisdom, exercise wisdom. There's a lot of smart people. And when I say smart, that means they know stuff, but wisdom is the application of applying what you know to your circumstances. That's what wisdom is. So you could be smart, but not wise. So what I tell people to exercise wisdom, how do we do that? Well, you know, for me, typically speak to people that have been successful, that are doing phenomenal things. I'm not doing anything new. What I'm doing is I'm emulating some other folks that have been successful in business. How do I know they've been successful in business? Because typically you, you will see them doing great things in their community. And so, you know, I had a couple people that were in my inner circle or that were distant. The folks that were distant, I researched them. Uh, you know, I believe that business and different industries, if you're successful in one industry or one business, that same principle, even though it may be a different business or industry, you can still be successful in whatever you're doing. 
So if I'm looking at, you know, uh, sports and I'm looking at Michael Jordan or LeBron James and seeing the excellence that they are doing, what if I took the same principles that they applied to them lives and applied it to my business or my circumstances? And so that's how you can emulate folks that may not be in your circle by you. You have to do research. So I would say um, uh, exercise wisdom, do your research and then face your fear. Every day there's a fear. I don't know what it may be for you. I don't, you know, it, it would depend on who it is. But I can tell you those three things have been imperative in my life. Wisdom, I got it from folks that have done it before, folks that were seasoned. I spoke a lot with my grandmother. She was very instrumental in my life. And her life lessons allowed me to be able to pull some of the stuff that she went through so I didn't have to go through it. So if you have these people that are wise already, they should make your life a little bit easier. You shouldn't make the same mistakes they made because they're going to walk with you and help you navigate in a fashion that should put you way ahead. You know, um, the other thing was just the hard work aspect too. You have to put in the work every day. You have to put in the work. You cannot think or even believe that you're going to get some supernatural level of success without putting in that hard work you know, literally grinding every day, giving 120%, not just 100, you have to give a little bit more because there's someone just like you that has the same desires. Um, but are you willing to go past what they're willing to give? And so that that comes with, you know, ET says it like this, you know, my passion wakes me up at 5am, Eric Thomas. He's one of my phenomenal guys that I listen to a great speaker, a great motivator, ET, the hip hop preacher. I would recommend you guys check him out if you don't know about him. But he says, my passion wakes me up. And he also says, what is my why? Well, what is your why? You know, is it money? Because I can tell you that that is going to fade quickly. A lot of people, like I said before, have money aren't is that are not happy. But my why is my family and also making a difference in the community in which I live. I, that is my legacy. If I don't do any other thing, I want people to say, I knew Chuck Smiley, I knew what he stood for. And I can tell you, he was a man that helped so many people in his lifetime that, that you know, he would never be, he would never be forgotten. And so those are the things that motivate me. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm just excited to, uh, to be able to share that with people uh, every time I get to either talk about Goliath's gear or the Extraordinary League of Gentlemen. Uh, and obviously giving me the opportunity to be on the show is definitely why I wanted to be able to talk about my hunger for my hustle. So so thanks again, man. I appreciate you. I mean, you're essentially Ukraine and life that is going to outlive you, that's for sure. Uh, I'm going to be... I'm gonna be uh, a sponge, a sponge of what you're doing now. I can't wait to follow you on your socials and and let me let me get some of that gear, man. Let me get some sent over to Australia. Can you can you ship over here? Hey, man, that's no problem at all. You make sure you give me your address, shoot me your address, and I'll uh, I'll shoot you some stuff over there, some some nice swag. I actually, you know, that is one of the things that impressed me is that you know social media use it as a the platform that it is, uh, and that it was designed to do to elevate or to elevate other avenues of your life. I can tell you just by doing what I'm doing now, I had people from all over the world literally reach out to me. And, and that was probably real. That was one of the things that I realized that I knew it would be possible when someone from Ireland wanted actually said, hey, I want to buy some gear because I see what you're doing. I know what you're involved in. And think about it. 
I don't know anybody in Ireland. I live all the way in the U.S., but because they saw what I was doing, they saw that I was genuine and authentic. They wanted to be a part of our circle, our inner circle. And, uh, you know, when anytime somebody purchased from me, I consider them a friend, a brother, a sister, uh, because I what you may not realize is that you are literally helping someone uh, have a better life because that's what we're doing through all of our efforts. And so, you know, it's it's really a phenomenal think about that, that people all over the world can resonate with with, you know, each of us and what our stories are, because we're all the same, you know. And look, I just want to say, I don't want any freebies. I'm going to be paying for this gear, but stay on after we go off live because we'll sort that out. Man, I've had such a great interview. Thank you for coming on. Give me your time and energy today. I really appreciate it. You know, I think we might have to have you back on again sometime, man. I think we might just have to have him. <laughs> I know we had a, we had a lot that we could have talked about, and we we were planning to talk about and share. And uh, I would love to be back on Hunger for the Hustle, man. I think uh, what you're doing and giving people a platform to talk about what they're, you know, what they have going on in their lives. All of us are are doing the same thing or doing different things and at different levels. And so there may be someone that is a little bit higher than me. There may be someone that is beneath me, but hopefully I'm inspiring all of them to just keep going. You know, don't throw in the towel when times get tough, you know, when the roads get rough, but just continue to just take one step after another. And I can tell you, there's only 24 hours in a day. So if that first 24 hours that you just went through was tough, guess what? If you're lucky enough to wake up the next morning, you have another opportunity. So keep going after it. Yep, every day is a gift. That's why they call it the present. That's right. That's right. And now, Chucky, if people want to find you and your brands, where's the best place to find you? Of course, I'm going to put it in the comments here, but it'd be good coming from you as well. Yeah, so if you want to follow us on Facebook, um, it is Goliath's Gear, the name of our brand. If you want to follow the nonprofit, it is the Extraordinary League of Gentlemen. Um, once again, uh, on any of the social media handles for the clothing brand, it's just at Goliath's Gear, either on Instagram, Twitter, and or Snapchat when I have a chance to get on there. But those are where the young kids are, so I don't have a chance to get on there as much. But I am learning TikTok. That has been fun. And then uh, as far as ELOG or the Extraordinary League of Gentlemen, it would be at ELOG INC on Instagram as well as Twitter. And then on uh, Facebook is just the name of the brands. Got it. Perfect. I'll drop that in the comments. Chucky, enjoy the rest of your evening. And goodbye, everyone. Thanks for watching. Thank you.